This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, it is a stunning news night, and we have a whole bunch of stories to talk about. First and foremost, obviously, tonight, in a matter of hours, Title 42 is about to be lifted. This is an incredible moment in American history, and we have already seen more than 30,000 migrants apprehended in the last three days. That is a record high again in this country. More than 10,000 a day. And in a matter of hours, there is word that the floodgates will open even further. So we're going to be talking about that later on tonight because that is deeply troubling and deeply alarming as you see what has already happened in our border. And I'm just going to come right out and say it. May, uh, Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, is an outright liar. He was literally on just a few hours ago saying, we have it all under control, the border is secure, and it is far from that, and it is about to be not only unsecure, it is about to be a catastrophe. And I am stunned when I see these images of people sleeping on the streets across America. And it is about to get so much worse for every single city in this country is about to become a border city. And it is thanks to this Biden administration. And it is shameful. So we're going to take your calls on that tonight. Also, CNN getting all this heat for putting President Trump on during the town hall. Uh, He's only the former president of the United States. He's only the leading Republican candidate. And he's also only potentially could be the next president of the United States. And yet there are liberal commentators out there who are saying, oh, why would you give that person the time of day? How could you put him on? And they were also even mocking the fact that the audience was clapping for him at certain points. And they gave him a standing ovation. He did a supreme job against a moderator who was really more of a debater uh, than a moderator of a town hall. I've never seen a town hall where they gave the president such a grilling. And again, I have no problem with it because I think they should do the absolutely same thing to Joe Biden. I think it should do to anybody who could be running for president, as both of them are doing now at this time. We know that Biden said he plans to run again, that he plans to run for reelection. And of course, Donald Trump at this point, widespread over uh, DeSantis, a huge, huge lead he has right now. So we're going to talk about all of that. But first, big news that just came out a few hours ago. This is amazing. It looks like 
uh, that justice just doesn't matter in New York City anymore. I think about the bodega case, of course, of Jose Alba, who was defending himself behind the counter, contrary to what our caller Russ has to say, who thinks that, like, Alba was like the attacker in that one. That's a bunch of hogwash, Russ. But let's talk about what's going on now. This is amazing. Danielle Perry. This is the former Marine, and he is about to surrender in a matter of hours to Alvin Bragg. Sound familiar? And he is going to be facing second-degree manslaughter charges for defending people on a New York City subway. He's getting Jose Albud tonight. I mean, this to me is unbelievable. Here we are. This is the guy. Of course, we know Jordan Neely comes onto the subway train, the F train. This is about 10 days ago in New York. He's shouting, of course, you know, obscenities. He's saying he is prepared to die. And he's saying he doesn't care if he spends the rest of his life in jail. Now, I've been on the New York City subway. I know many of you probably have. If you live in the city or if you're visiting, uh, all you have to do is spend five seconds on there. And you know that it is a one dangerous place. And there are not police officers there as much as we would like to see them. And there are very few of them because guess what? They are demoralized, they're defunded, and they are dealing with just uh, an unconscionable electorate, electorate in many ways that isn't supporting them. And that's the reality. And then you have Alvin Bragg thrown in the mix, who, of course, spends all of his time, as you know, uh, basically going after President Trump. And then he goes after Jose Alba, the bodega guy. And now we find out that he is circumventing, deciding not to send the case to a grand jury. There was word that he was going to potentially send this case to a grand jury. And then it would be a grand jury, which would be people of your peers, basically deciding at that moment whether or not to charge this Marine. Now, we know, again, Jordan Neely, a guy with a long history of mental illnesses, a long slew of charges, 42 priors. Uh, One of them was also a violent attack on a seven-year-old. He also had an outstanding warrant for attacking a 67-year-old woman. So this is a guy who's had a lot of mental problems, a lot of serious issues. He was voted basically as one of 50 most uh, dangerous uh, people in dire need, basically, if you look at it, uh, in New York City. So he was on their radar and had a lot of mental problems. He had schizophrenia. My heart breaks for him because he had a tough past, but he also was a tough character. So let's be honest with that. So he gets on the subway, on the F train. He starts shouting at people. He's throwing garbage. He starts taking his clothes, throwing them at people. And then he's screaming madly saying that he's ready to die. That to me is a threat. That's like, I'm ready to do something because I just don't care what happens to me. And then he says, I plan on spending the rest of my life in jail. And we know now that Daniel Perry comes behind him, the 24-year-old Marine, takes him down is he's still flailing, as we know, Jordan Neely. So two other passengers come and try to hold him down in the middle of all of this, too, as well. And then we know that Jordan Neely is declared dead after he gets to the hospital. They, By the way, also, this guy was apparently, the Marines saying, call 911. 
He was telling other passengers, call 911. This guy is like getting out of hand. He is trying to protect clearly other passengers. Other people on the train have all basically said that, that this guy didn't look like he was intending by any means to kill the guy by putting him in the chokehold. He was just trying to defend other passengers at the time. And this is amazing. So now we are finding out that tomorrow the Marine is going to be charged with second-degree manslaughter because of Alvin Bragg, the district attorney, is clearly also giving in to the pressure of protesters. What is your reaction to all of this, everybody? Does this Marine deserve to spend three and a half to 15 years is what he could get in prison if he is convicted of second-degree manslaughter? What do you think of this system of justice in New York? And is he getting Jose Albud? What do you think, you guys? To me, this is unconscionable. And the fact that he also bypassed basically a grand jury, he's going to send it to a grand jury to look at it for a possible indictment, which is sort of the second phase. But he was originally going to send it to them to decide whether or not to even charge the guy. And somehow, lo and behold, something happened in Bragg's mind, and he decides to circumvent that process and go forward with the charge, which will happen tomorrow. So now this Marine is supposedly surrendering at 8 a.m. tomorrow and then will be charged at an arraignment. You can bet he's going to you know, enter a not guilty plea. Uh, there's no way he's saying that he's guilty in any shape or form. And then they will send you to a grand jury to decide whether or not to indict this guy. But the fact that they have already made the decision that he will be charged, that is a stunning move. And I contend, how is anybody on the subway going to want to intervene anymore? And there's also word that they may go after these two other people that were also holding down Jordan Neely because when the guy came behind him and grabbed him, and was trying to hold him down in the chokehold. You can even see it in the video. Jordan Neely still flailing. He's still fighting because he might be high as a kite. We don't know, but we know that he had a history of drugs. He was on K2 in the past. He was on other drugs in the past, illegal drugs, guys, you know. I mean, this isn't like uh, he's taking like aspirin, right? So he's flailing and he's fighting it off. So he's all turbocharged and he's fighting it off. And we know that, you know, that the Marine is holding him down. Two other people, one grabs his arms, one grabs his shoulders, and there's word that they may face charges too as well. So is any of this fair? Is this against basically a bogus Jose Albert case? Uh, to me, the fact that they didn't send it to a grand jury right away says to me that Alvin Bragg got pressured by the mob. Mob like this. Take a listen, everybody, because there's been protests all over the city. I'm very to hear that. I mean, I think um, it should have happened sooner, but I'm glad to know that there will be some accountability. I definitely think it's one part of something that needs to happen, but I don't think that just incarcerating one person is going to take care of the issues that we need to, which are a lot bigger in dealing with homelessness and mental health and housing. And those were a slew of protesters that made comments today. And here's a little bit more because they have been protesting all over the place. Remember, blocking the Brooklyn Bridge, also holding up trains. They were doing that. And here's a little bit more of them chanting, no justice, no peace for Jordan Neely. 
of course, Al Sharpton added fuel to the fire. Uh, and AOC, remember AOC came out and actually said this is a murder. This was an execution as if the Marine was intending to kill Jordan Neely like it was a racially charged case. I don't think race had anything to do with it. I think the Marine thought that this guy was maybe about to open fire on people or attack somebody or do something just horrible, uh, some form of violence. And he had this sense of, I have to defend. I know how to take this guy down. He's about to do something bad. When somebody says, uh, I'm prepared to die, and I don't care if I spend the rest of my life in jail, and they're throwing things at you, and they're sounding like a lunatic, well, guess what? I would be scared, too. And so this Marine, if you listen to all accounts, it looks like he was trying to defend everybody on the train. But Al Sharpton doesn't see it that way. The victim here uh, had had uh, mental health issues, but that it was certainly uh, not something that should have sentenced him to death. And I think that many of us have taken that position in the civil rights community, I know Network has, that you cannot let this go unaccounted for without really opening the door to legitimizing and giving a basis of vigilantism. This young man, unarmed, did nothing to anyone, didn't assault anyone, was disruptive, which happens every day on subways, and you're going to put him in a chokehold and hold him there for minutes at a time while two other people hold him down and kill him. This person uh, uh, should face a grand jury and the two people with him. And the attorneys say that the family's going to pursue this. They're planning a funeral. All of the community is riled up about it. And I think the protests are, are just saying this could be anybody. You can't take the law in your own hand, and you certainly can't kill someone when there's no life-extenuating circumstance. That is an unbelievable statement. It's like they came out there with a mission to kill Jordan Neely and as if he was Mother Teresa on the subway. And then Al Sharpton's like, oh, yeah, people do that all the time. Well, guess what? There's been a lot of cases of people opening fire on the subway or threatening other people, attacking other people. And what, you're just supposed to take it? You're supposed to wait until somebody pulls out a weapon and stabs you? And then at that point? You're able to go, okay, well, maybe I can respond. I mean, in Al Sharpton's world, you would think that this guy is Mary Poppins, that Jordan Neely is Mary Poppins. I feel bad for him, but he has a track record of violence, and he was displaying it that day. When we come back, we're going to take your calls. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. A sad day for justice as Marine veteran, 24-year-old Daniel Penny, is going to be charged tomorrow with second-degree manslaughter. And there are many people who have been speaking out about this. By the way, Judge Richard Weinberg, uh, who I love, who is one of the co-hosts with me on Cats and Cosby at 5 o'clock, 5 to 6 p.m. on WABC Radio, which I host every day with the great John Katsimatidis. He said there is something called justifiable homicide, that just because somebody died 
there is a reason sometimes to have justifiable homicide. In other words, you were not just protecting yourself, but you were protecting others. And you could certainly say that that appears to be the case in the Daniel Perry case. And yet it will be a charge against Daniel Penny, the 24-year-old Marine, tomorrow, second degree. And that is because Alvin Bragg has decided to go forward with it. Good old Alvin Bragg, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Dom, line five. Dom, your thoughts about this? Yeah, Rita, you know, I really feel bad for the death of Jordan Neely. It's really sad. It is, it is. Yeah, you know, but... Daniel Penny, the Marine, who, he was just being a good Samaritan. We, in fact, have a law in Minnesota where I, where I reside. There's a good Samaritan law. And when I tried to, you know, like I was in an incident, and when I got back to my attorney, he said, never say you're sorry. That means assume it's your mistake. So that's the problem running into current-day society. Do I help in a situation or not? Because it's a human condition that I want to help somebody who's in trouble. But if that, if these, you know, if, if an Alvin Bragg is sprung on every one of us, we really don't want to step into the, you know, foray and try to help anybody. That's what, that's the country and the social structure we're building, unfortunately. You know, and you know what? You hit the point about the Good Samaritan because that's what I really worry about, Dom. First off, if you look at the circumstances here and you hear what everybody is saying that this guy was saying and what he was doing, you understand yeah. why the Marine interjected. I mean, again, I use the expression, the guy wasn't Mary Poppins. I feel bad mm-hmm. for what happened, um, you know, to him clearly. And I feel bad for his life story. It's heartbreaking. Absolutely. And I feel like the city let him down, his family, the system let him down, this Jordan Neely. Um, but... Um, also, it is downright dangerous. And when someone's making those threats, what if he didn't act? What if he didn't do anything? Uh, it would be different. I would feel different if suddenly somebody said, well, the guy was acting and bumped into somebody and then this happened. That's different. But he was saying, I am ready to die and I don't care if I spend the rest of my life in jail. When you hear that kind of a message, the next thing could be, I'm pulling out a gun and shooting you all, or I'm stabbing you. And sadly, that has happened a number of times on a New York City subway. And what this says, not only should you defend, not defend yourself under Alvin Bragg's world, and I think about the Jose Alba case, the bodega guy, um, but also, uh, should you not defend somebody else? I mean, that's what this does. This makes you anybody afraid to defend themselves and defend others. That's a sad America that we live in and a sad city that we live in. If that's the case, Dom, don't you think this could have a chilling effect? Absolutely. As not chilling effect, not to individuals, but as a society, because take a look at what Al Sharpton said. Not a peek from Al Sharpton about the black duty cop off-duty black cop who was 24 years old, the female who got shot and killed. Not a peek from him. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed, Dom, if you guys look at my Twitter feed, I did uh, tweet out about that story about the female cop. My heart broke about that. You are absolutely right. And guess what? You know what? I don't think there's been a peep about Al Sharpton, about I think it's like the 27 or 28 other deaths that have taken place on the subway since 2020. Uh, Not a peep on that. Where is he on also, you know, crime in Chicago, where it's a lot of black on black crime? He's silent on that, too. And yet he is capitalizing and he is gaslighting right now. And that is heartbreaking. 
given the dynamics and given the sensitivities in the city right now and the sensitivities of cities across America. Uh, This, to me, is so destructive. Dom, thank you very much. We're going to continue your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story coming from Pierce County, Washington, where a couple uh, had been very, very involved for many years and very involved in a series of causes. And then one day, and it happened in January 2018, a woman named Sierra McCartney was awoken by her phone, and it was a county alert advising that there had been an officer-involved shooting. The alert system was intended for county employees, but somehow her number had registered. Her husband, Daniel McCartney, was on duty, again, as a Pierce County, Washington deputy. And Sierra messaged him to ask if he was okay. As she was waiting for information, she couldn't help but think of their great marriage of 13 years and, of course, their three young sons. They grew up together in a small town in California and were friends for most of their lives and had truly a love story. And as she waited for more information, she then suddenly got another county alert. This message said 484 down, and she knew that it was her husband. She spent the next 30 to 45 minutes crying out to God on her kitchen floor. And needless to say, for the next hours, days, weeks, months, and years, there was a slew of emotions after what she went through. And now she has turned tragedy into helping others. Uh, On January 8th, 2021, it was the first anniversary that she did not have anything planned. And she was uncertain what to do and how she could make a difference. As she was ordering coffee, she got inspired. She felt moved by the overwhelming support that law enforcement had showed her family in the weeks after her husband's death. And she wanted to give back. So she got her family on board together. They paid for coffee for all the law enforcement going through coffee stands in neighboring jurisdictions. And she asked the baristas to tell officers that the coffee was an honor of Deputy Daniel McCartney. Well, Sierra has created now the hashtag Coffee with Dan and asked for any officer that felt comfortable to post a photo on social media. Coffee with Dan helped her and her boys get through their sadness, and they appreciated law enforcement officers for the support that they showed their family and also the willingness to stand watch, protect the community in a difficult time. Well, just recently, Coffee with Dan celebrated its fourth anniversary, and her family said we have to do something bigger. So now they have offered it on many, many different levels. They have three levels, the deputy, sergeant, and the sheriff. And at the deputy level, 484 Hero will fully fund the coffee for law enforcement. At a sergeant level, the coffee ships uh, shops will partner with 484 Hero, splitting the coffee for many in their communities. And also at the sheriff level, coffee shops will fully fund the coffee for law enforcement officers for that day. What a beautiful, beautiful way that she and her family are trying to grow what is called 484 Hero. There are many ways to support law enforcement, but now 
uh, to be able to give back and honor other families who have gone through difficult times and also to say to law enforcement that are working out there across the country, thank you, we love you, and we support you. And by the way, had there been more law enforcement, certainly in the different subway cars, uh, the death of Jordan Neely may never have happened because you wonder, had Jordan Neely seen a police officer that day uh, who maybe was in uniform and was on the subway train in New York uh, when he was going on a rant? He was clearly having a mental breakdown. This is a guy with mental illness. He had schizophrenia. He had all of these different psychological issues. He also had a rap sheet. We know that he had at least 42 prior records with violence, uh, attacking officers, but also attacking individuals, apparently attacking a seven-year-old child, also uh, a 67-year-old woman. There's a lot of issues that were in his background. And then he was on the subway train, and we know that he was shouting obscenities and very much saying, I want to die. I don't care if I go to jail for the rest of my life. And now the big headline tonight coming in the last few hours that the former Marine Daniel Penny will be charged tomorrow morning. He is facing second degree manslaughter charges. Uh, Penny will be turning himself in at the NYPD fifth, fifth precinct, which is in Chinatown on Friday morning. And he will be arrested on a criminal complaint charging him with second degree manslaughter that could face a jail term again of up to 15 years. Alvin Bragg uh, basically saying in a statement, uh, this is a spokesperson, we cannot provide any further information until he has been arraigned in Manhattan criminal court, which we expect will take place tomorrow. Your thoughts that the Marine that we've seen in that video all over the place uh, is now going to be charged when it looks like he was trying to just defend other passengers. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And by the way, a number of you have been messaging me too about the fact that it did not appear that Jordan Neely was dead when Daniel Penny let go of him, uh, that it looks like he had just sort of passed out and that the Marine even put him in, quote, a recovery position. Um, which would be an interesting thing if indeed that is the case. And sure enough, uh, you can bet in New York, in a grand jury proceeding, Daniel Penny does have the right to go in and testify. Now, we know that the charges are coming forward by Alvin Bragg, but then he would send it over to the grand jury next week to decide if indeed they will indict. So it's an interesting process. Uh, Many people thought he was just going to go to the grand jury. But guess what? The grand jury is supposed to be uh, jurors of your peers. And that means it could be other subway riders. You could bet if there's somebody from New York, they've been on the subway or they've seen the subway headlines. So they probably would not have, uh, I don't think, charged, you know, Daniel Penny. That's my gut. I don't think they would have if they had said, hey, put yourself on the subway. This is what you heard. This is this guy's history. This is what I was experiencing. And this is what I was trying to do. And you put other passengers on the subway. They may not have come down, I don't think, with charges, which is why I think Alvin Bragg sort of usurped them and went forward with this. Um, But that would be interesting if Daniel Penny decides to testify before the grand jury and say, hey, here is what I experienced. I also tried to revive him. I was just trying to contain him. 
Uh, and if this is true, that he was sort of putting him in, quote, a recovery position, trying to, uh, you know, get him back uh, so he would be OK when police were arriving. There are also reports that Daniel Penny was saying, hey, could you please call 911 screaming to other passengers? So in other words, trying to get him help. Um, that certainly helps his case, too, if he goes before the grand jury. Uh, but still, many people are stunned that he is being charged at all. What are your thoughts, everybody? one 800 848 Let's go to Tony, line five. Tony, your thoughts. Hi. I'm going to try to make this quick, Rita. But I've been hearing from all the black leaders, Mayor Adams, Alvin Bragg, and you said a few others, about the whole situation, about how everything that's happening between the border and what happened to Jordan Neely. I've been hearing this is all a racial issue and I'm, I'm really getting tired of it. They're calling our governors who are dealing with border issues racist. And so here's what I thought about. Of course, I went to my Google and I read a really good article from Cranes and it said, you know, and you know this, the black leadership in New York City is phenomenal. I mean, they have a very tight, strong leadership. And you know what Crane said? They said for all their leaders that are there, they have done nothing for their black people because a lot of the black people really haven't gotten ahead. A lot of them have left the city and gone back south. How have they helped the city? And so how can we expect a group like this who really could have done so much for their people in the city to turn around and do this to someone like Daniel Penny, to call governors and leaders who are dealing with a border crisis racist. This is what they were called to do, all this power. They ought to be ashamed of themselves because well, and they have to- done and, nothing. And, Tony, you know, I also think two things. I also think where were they when these other instances happened on subways? Um, you know, there there have been other uh, instances yeah. on subways where there's been shootings and there have been all these other. Where are they? They're nowhere. When They haven't said nowhere. anything. And now suddenly they're using this opportunity uh, to go after it. And it saddens me because I don't think race had anything to do with it. I'm always, you know, honest. If I thought there was some that this was a racial issue. And I do not think it's a racial issue. I think this Marine said, gosh, I can step this, stop this guy before he's about to open fire, potentially. You know, I mean, all these things are going on in your mind if somebody says, uh, you know, I'm ready to die and I don't care if I go to jail the rest of my life. Well, guess what? The next step is where's the weapon almost, you know, and and if he's screaming and pushing and doing all these other things and shouting um, and acting clearly, in, you know, crazy. Um, you know, they don't have time to think. They just have time to try to stop him from doing harm to somebody. And that's what I do believe this guy had in his mind, whether the person was, you know, uh, was white, black. It wasn't important. It was just a crazy person that looked like he was going to do some serious damage to somebody any second. And and so, you know, I, that's what 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 saddens me is this is going to have an effect, I think, on people afraid to help others, afraid to step in. People are already scared to step in. There were other people on that train, and maybe nobody else had the guts of Daniel Penny. And I, and you know, what do you do? What do you next time you're afraid to stop? You're supposed to wait till it's way too late. That's not a good sign either, Tony. No, and you know what? What's sad is that they all saw this coming, and they were all in leadership. They could have all done something. And you know what, Rita? They did not. And so now Jordan Neely is gone, and he shouldn't be. And Daniel Penny 
is going to be charged and who knows what will happen. And that's not a fair thing. Yeah. And, and you know what? I also, where were they during all the problems with Jordan Neely before this? You know, I mean, you know, he was on the radar, apparently. Why not, you know, make sure that he was a locked up or or in a mental facility or getting the proper help that he needed to take care of himself so he wouldn't harm himself and he wouldn't harm others as opposed to now reacting uh, after the fact. It, it is it is. I just think it, it's a sad day. Uh, Tony, thank you very much. Let's go to Russ. Uh, line six. Russ, your thoughts about this. If I recall, uh, you thought Jose Alba should have like been left in Rikers. Go ahead. We wouldn't have had this problem, but you know, I have to admit, Stan of Forest Hills has asked me to step in and be your punching bag till he gets back. So. Uh, by the way, Stan called last night, uh, Russ. Oh, he oh, he did, and he sounded great, and we love Stan, and and appreciate you too. And and you know what? He, I was really happy to hear he 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 sound. He had a little bit of spunk back in him, and that's how I know he's on the road to recovery. <laughs> go back and listen in the archive because he has large shoes to fill even though he's sometimes very small-minded i just don't have his stamina like norman either who's a personal trainer built like a ginger fire hydrant with a buzz cut have you ever met norman no but uh now i'm getting a picture but uh, but i love yeah. you all so go ahead oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just, you're a smooth operator reader because you you know you brought up that 50 most dangerous list when really it's 50 most endangered homeless people. So that's that's a smooth transition. I want to ask you, were the subway doors well, open? By the, by the way, by the way it, it, it could be considered both, because if somebody is screaming and schizophrenic and has had a history of drugs and they're shouting, I want to die, I don't care if I'm in jail, that's also, in my mind, maybe I'm a little crazy, but I consider that dangerous, Russ, but go ahead. Well, if I saw you on uh, being unhoused for seven days, I'd be a little worried about you too, Rita. You yeah, know, by, the, by the way, and and by the way, if I was screaming at you, uh, uh-huh. man or woman, I, and Russ, uh-huh. Russ, I've told this story. I was on the New York City subway. There was a young, petite woman uh-huh. who was yeah. on the subway car. She was screaming, I'm going to kill you all. I'm going to do I, It was the scariest, like, few minutes of my life. Because the subway doors were closed, we had nowhere to go, and it was only women on the subway at that point with me. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is scary. I was praying for a Daniel Penny being on my train at that moment, because that woman was scary as heck. But go ahead. That's what I was going to bring, because the subway doors were open, and everybody there could have run out the subway doors, including... A bad penny, but he continued to choke Jordan Neely while the doors were open. He could have retreated. There was a woman there that didn't retreat. They didn't feel that endangered, Rita. And I'd want to. Did you say he was the, the Marine? Might have been turbocharged on Adderall. Do, do we no, know his no, medical? no. I actually didn't. I'm not sure what you're hearing. I what I said was that Jordan Neely had a history, according to his family, of being on what's called K2, which is sort of a hallucinogenic. Um, and we don't we don't know if he was on anything at the time. And I don't know if the Marine has any history of any drugs or if even Jordan Neely was on it. I'm just saying, if you see it, you see that Jordan Jordan Neely is taken down by Daniel Penny and then he's still flailing and fighting, which is why the two other guys, one grabs his shoulder and the other grabs his arms. So you see that it took three guys. So I'm saying he may have been on something. There should be a toxicology done of what's in his system because that would further also explain his his dangerous behavior that you think is like Mary Poppins, Russ. 
but as Larry told you, it seemed like the guy was in UFC. He was he was tapping out, uh, Neely. He was trying to get out. There was no way. He was expiring. He defecated, okay? They told the Marine, you didn't have to hold him so long. You're going to get a murder charge. Did you look that up? And I'd like to ask you something, Rita. You know, if that, a Marine or a female Marine was choking that woman in the subway in front of you, would you have tried to stop her from killing that woman? I think anybody would have done that. Absolutely. Hey, Russ, 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 if I saw somebody that was killing somebody that I thought literally was trying to kill someone versus subdue, yeah, I would not have liked it. I would have said, stop. Uh, I would have called the police and said, hey, come on here. First of all, I would have called the police immediately, first off. And by the way, what I did with the crazy woman, and I've talked about this, I got off the subway. I was stuck on that train for a long time, and it was scary as heck. And as soon as I saw police, I got off the next stop, and I said, police, you got to run on the train. There's this woman who's on, like, two cars back at that point because I was, like, moving on to the other cars. you got to stop her. This woman is nuts, and she's about to do something really crazy. But had that Marine taken her down in front of me, I would have said, bravo. I'm just telling you, I would have said, bravo, at that moment, not to kill anybody for sure, but if you listen to the passengers, Russ, they don't think he was killing uh, Jordan Neely. They were saying, you know, they nobody that I have seen said we thought he was dead. They said we thought he had just passed out, that the Marine had gotten him to pass out. And there were reports that he was putting him in a recovery position, trying to make sure he was recovering. So when the police came, they could take him into custody and get the guy some help and get him off the subway. That That seems to be a continuing comment. And that's why a lot of it is intent. And that's why they're going to try to see. And so far, I'm not seeing that he had the intent, anything other than to definitely stop him. And that's why it's going to be interesting to see what happens when it goes to the grand jury. Russ, thank you. You you held your own for Stan. Thank you very much. We're going to continue, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. Russ says it was murder. Throw the book at him. He thinks like it's like, uh, I guess he's in the AOC world, if you will. We're talking about the Marine who tomorrow will be charged with second degree manslaughter in the subway chokehold death. And I contend that this sends a chilling message to anybody wanting to step in. And to me, it is an out of touch D.A., who doesn't understand the fear that people have when they are on a subway and the fear and the actions that often come when somebody says, I am ready to die. I don't care if I'm in jail the rest of my life. And they're screaming and shouting and you are in a closed subway car and you are praying for your life. That is a scary place to be. And there are a lot of people tonight who say that Daniel Penny is a hero and uh, are even talking about raising money for his defense. There's a GoFundMe out there and a couple other things. Uh, and a lot of people are saying this is justice gone awry. He was basically Jose Albud, uh, despite what Russ has to say. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to BJ, line six. Go ahead, BJ. Hello, Rita. Thanks for having me on. You know, I'm not a genius. I don't have a crystal ball like Russ 
or Stan. I wasn't on that subway train, okay? That's why we have juries. That's why we have investigations. And we try to get to the bottom and the truth of the matter, especially when there's a loss of life, okay? That's valid. Here's what I do now, okay? And I go by what I know. And that is we have a governor, mayor, state's attorney general, and district attorney that have set a dystopian stage for the rest of us. The truth is, uh, 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 is this, that you are on your own now when you go out on the street. You, that is, whether you get home or not, that's entirely up to whether or not you can outrun the marauders that have taken over our city. Okay, that's the bottom line, because if you reach for help, help will not be coming. There is no cavalry waiting for you. Have you heard, though, Al Sharpton is basically saying, you know, this guy was a nice guy. And, you know, and why did you take his life? You know, I mean, that's basically as if he was doing nothing on the subway. Yeah, well, you know, Al is interesting, too. He has a very, very interesting uh, uh, past, when it co- especially when it comes to, to racial tensions. Uh, you look up Freddie's Fashion Mart, look up Tawana Brawley, look up all of his happy history, and you'll see Al. And, you know, he got skinnier and he got a lot richer over the years. All right. Well, so, BJ, that sums it up there. BJ, thank you very much, everybody. We're going to continue your calls on this. We're also going to talk Title 42. And amazing, CNN is getting blasted by many in the liberal media saying, How could you give former President Trump a forum? He's only the former president. He may be the next president. He's the leading GOP candidate. Shame on you. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. In the hour here on the Rita Cosby Show, the countdown is on. Title 42 is about to be lifted uh, within the hour. I mean, this is an amazing moment in American history. We've already had wide open borders with Mexico. Uh, I don't think any border agent would tell you otherwise. They are overrun. They are outmanned. And they are exhausted, and it's about to get so much worse. And Title 42, that health policy that the Trump administration put in place uh, because of COVID-19, they found any justification they could to keep the country safe. Well, that is about to be lifted. And in the last few days, we've already seen historic highs of 10,000 illegal migrants apprehended. Those don't include the gotaways. Uh, And it's about to get a lot worse. We're going to talk about that later on in the show. And also, by the way, everybody talking about CNN. There are people out there like, why did anybody give CNN, uh, allow them to give former President Trump airtime in a town hall? 
They're liberal media that are blasting, basically saying it was so inappropriate of CNN and who did they think they are and how reckless of them to give airtime to President Trump. He's a former president of the United States. He's a leading now guy in the GOP polls and may turn out to be likely the GOP nominee and could potentially be the president again. And he doesn't deserve airtime on a channel. Are you kidding me? They were also mocking the fact that the audience was giving him a standing ovation like uh, the media, the liberal media like MSNBC and others know better than the American public. Like they're going to tell you who you should vote for, who you should see, who you should listen to. It sounds a lot like the way they handled the Hunter Biden story. And I find that deeply offensive. I think you put everybody's opinion out there. You know, guys, I take calls from everybody here on the Rita Cosby show. There are people that I don't agree with. I'll tell you what I think. Uh, but there are people I want to hear from all of you because I learn from all of you. We all learn from each other. And I think it's important to hear everybody's idea, good, bad, whatever. That's America. And for them to say that he didn't deserve any airtime, that is an unbelievable comment. Well, things did get a little heated last night in the town hall. Uh, this was one of the classic moments because the moderator was more like a mega debater and wouldn't give him an edge, wouldn't give him a word in, wouldn't he wouldn't be able to say anything. It was like, wait, 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 wait. I mean, it wasn't a town hall with Biden. They're like, hey, would you like ice cream or would you like apple pie? And yet with Trump, it was like grill, grill, grill. And again, I, I think he was superb. He handled it like a pro. And boy, he looks like his IQ is like 5,000 above Biden's. The way Biden's like, oh, where do I go to the bathroom? Where do I get off the stage? Trump was like handling it like a warrior. Listen to this moment last night that everybody's talking about. Why you held on to those documents when you knew the federal government was seeking them and then had given you a subpoena to return them? Are you them. ready? Are you ready? Can I talk? Yeah, what's you the mind? answer? Can I, do you mind? I would like for you to answer the okay, question. Okay, it's very simple to That's answer. That's why I asked it. It's very simple to You're a nasty person, I'll tell you. <laughs> and the audience clapped because they felt he kept getting interrupted and they saw a disparity on the way that CNN handles President Joe Biden. And, of course, on immigration, they also were, like, saying, boy, is he tough on immigration. And tonight, there's a lot of people that are in the state of Texas and across this country that are praying for Trump's policies again because we are about to get an onslaught like we have never seen. There are people sleeping on the streets in El Paso. And there are a lot of people who are saying Trump's immigration policies are what we desperately need and Biden never should have lifted them. Uh, Take a listen. Here is what he had to say, Trump, last night on immigration and the border. Another immigration policy you had was the zero tolerance immigration policy that separated families at the border. If you are reelected, are you ruling out instituting that? Well, when you have that policy, people don't come. If a family hears that they're going to be separated, they love their family. They don't come. So I know it sounds harsh, but if you remember, remember they said I was building prisons for children it turned out that it was Obama that was building but the prisons re- for the But would you re-implement that if you're re-elected? Is well, that what you're saying? A, we have to save our country, all right? We so can't it sounds afford... like that's a yes. No, no. When you say to a family that if you come, we're going to break you up, they don't come. And we can't afford to have any more. Look at New York City. Look what's happening. They're living in Central Park in New York City. The city is being swamped. Los Angeles is being swamped. Iowa is being swamped. Our whole country is being destroyed. Millions of people are coming into our country. 
And you know what the number is going to be, in my opinion, by the end of the year? Not the 4 million that you hear and the 3 million. Until, I think it's going to be 15 million people. And in these people, they have no idea where they come from. They come from 129 different countries so far. 120, not President, just the four just to, that we talked about. Just to about. put a button on that, it sounds like what you're saying is that you're not ruling out re-implementing that immigration policy. And it went on and on and on. And again, remember, Title 42, the health provision that basically kept people out of the United States, even though the Biden administration wasn't even listening to that, that is about to be lifted in less than an hour, and it is going to be catastrophic at our border. There are so many cities across this country saying they are already overwhelmed. People are sleeping on the streets. I I kid you not, I looked at images today of El Paso. It looked like a third world country. And there are reports that there are somewhere between 150,000 plus people that are waiting on the other side of the border that are ready to do a big bum rush at the border. And we do not have enough agents. We do not have enough manpower. And clearly the Biden administration doesn't have enough willpower. And that is a sad situation because they have wanted this border to be wide open. And now they're saying, oh, it's going to be a little chaotic. They did not prepare for this moment. They've never cared about the border. And our cities are about to get overrun even more. And to me, it is downright heartbreaking and it is downright dangerous. Meantime, also on this busy news day, boy, has it been. Well, tomorrow, in a matter of hours, the former Marine, Daniel Penny, 24 years old, he is about to face manslaughter charges for the death of Jordan Neely, the homeless man, the schizophrenic who was screaming, saying he wanted to die and was threatening passengers on a New York City subway. A lot of people thought maybe charges would not come. And then there were people who were saying, well, the minute the people started protesting, they were going to start amping up the charges. And you good old Alvin Bragg, you knew that he would not miss an opportunity to charge somebody, especially in this case. And take a listen, because not only Alvin Bragg, but Al Sharpton couldn't wait to chime in. Take a listen to what he has had to say. This is an exchange where he was talking with Lennon Edwards. And Lennon Edwards is the attorney for Jordan Neely. He was on Al Sharpton's show. And this is the discussion between the two. There's no need to extend an investigation, so to speak, to determine that this man committed a killing and should have been arrested on the spot. I don't want to inject race into it immediately, but I'm telling you right now, if Daniel Penny was black and he and he uh, choked out somebody on the platform or on a train, you have to wonder whether or not he would have been arrested, whether he would have been detained. Uh, up until this time, there would have been no question, no need for that man to be uh, walking around. I mean, come on, this is ridiculous. The family has 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 had to deal with this, wrestle with this day after day after day, and nothing's been done about it. And now something will be done about it, and I don't think it's the right move. Uh, Alvin Bragg is about to charge uh, Daniel Daniel Penny with second-degree manslaughter. Again, it's three and a half to 15 years, potentially, up to 15 years behind bars. And you can bet that Daniel... Uh, Penny probably is a bit of a victim of Alvin Bragg and many people like this Lennon Edwards and others, this sort of movement of let's get this guy. Uh, You could hear he thought it was race, why he hadn't been charged immediately.
I mean, this this is an unbelievable moment. And if you look at the video and you look at the circumstances, if you were on that subway, uh, wouldn't you hope that you had a Daniel Penny that was next to you that somehow intervened as opposed to, God forbid, something was about to happen? Because it sure looked like the guy was about to snap. And he had already snapped. The question was, how far was he going to go? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Larry uh, in Brooklyn. Line 7. Larry, your thoughts? Okay, Rita. uh, Basically, (laughs) yeah, I don't know where to start. But the point of the matter is, is first of all, this has nothing to do with the Alva case, like apples and oranges. Uh, The issue is... Oh, I disagree, Larry. And I'll let you talk. But let me just say one thing. Uh, I disagree because... In that case, I I clearly think he should never have been charged. The minute you see that video and you see the guy jumping behind the counter and you see the bodega guy uh, being pushed and cornered and threatened and then he's getting stabbed, uh, you know, he's supposed to what, just take it? Um, I'm not saying I don't know where your position is on the Alba case, but in that case, it seemed like, you know, like Alvin Bragg just kind of couldn't wait to, like, you know, make a decision and rush to judgment and then ultimately, by the way, the charges were dropped because there was such an outcry. And in this case, uh, there was, he definitely, I think, succumbed to the mob, if you will, because he wasn't planning on making a decision at first. He was planning on sending it to a grand jury. And I bet he realized that if it went to a grand jury, maybe there'd be a lot of subway riders on that grand jury. And I think anybody who's ridden the subway or has seen any images of what the subway looks like in New York would say, let that guy go free because that's a scary situation. That's my thought. So he did usurp the process both times. So go ahead. Listen, Rita. Okay. Um, first of all, the the you just said why it's different. The Alvo case, it was it was action going on. There's a difference between a threat and an imminent threat. Clearly, Jordan nearly made a threat. The threat becomes an imminent threat, which which would justify possibly justify what he did. Even an imminent threat would ne- not necessarily justify what he did. For example, when like if he would have take, started to take something out of his pocket. Like for example, when the men- when these mentally ill people get killed by police officers, and you know that's happened a number of times, okay? They have usually have knives in their hands and they're taking steps towards the op- cops and the cops shoot them. Even then, the cops are criticized for not taking less drastic moves like uh, shoot him in the legs, tackle him, uh, do this, but they're always vindicated in the end. Why? Because that was an imminent threat. Right. But Larry, Jordan the Neal- difference, Larry, the difference yes. is clearly, uh, you know, people who are on the subway are not trained like police. Police can wait those critical seconds to see, okay, he's now reaching for his arm and it looks like he's pulling, you know, reaching into his pocket, looks like he's pulling out a gun or a knife. Um, and I can wait. Oh, yeah, it does look like a knife. It does look like a gun. He's about to lunge it at me. And they are trained to be able to react. An average citizen or even a Marine, uh, but an average individual on a subway doesn't have that luxury, you know, and, and quite frankly, it's often way too late. Uh, even in the police case, it's sometimes way too late because they react too late because they're trying to figure it out or trying to make sense of it all. Um, and I contend in many ways he was an imminent threat. Larry, when somebody it's not like he was just kind of walking like crazy down the subway. Uh, he was saying, I don't care if I die. I don't care if I spend the rest of my life in jail. He was throwing things at people. He was screaming, getting in their face, throwing his clothes down, getting right in front of them. I mean, he was so I mean, 
you don't have that much time. There could have been something that would have happened in a split second. And most people cannot react that quickly. They're not trained like police, Larry. So your thoughts here. Okay, well, that's the issue. That's the exact issue that's going on trial. What was in this guy's mind? Did he re- did he in fact panic, or did he try to or did he try to uh, use lethal force uh, and use Neely's uh, threat as a justification for going overboard? That's what the jury has to decide. And keep in mind, involuntary manslaughter does not necessarily carry a prison sentence. The judge could could see the circumstances and sentence him to probation. There is not a mandatory prison sentence for involuntary manslaughter. No, you're right. You're right. And by the way, the standard is also reckless. Uh, was he reckless? And and you hit it on the head, Larry, about the intent part, too, because that is the key. Like, what was in his mind so far? Uh, I haven't seen anything that shows he did anything other in his mind than to succumb the guy to stop him and hand him over basically to police at that point. So and I think that's why it may very well serve him, I think, to go before the grand jury. Um, He's already given his statements to police. um, So I would assume he should also go before the grand jury. Uh, He's going to be charged tomorrow. Uh, second degree, again, which is basically reckless endangerment. Was he reckless with what he did? Uh, were his actions reckless? Um, and he, there's also, again, Lair, the other thing, too, is that he was trying to put him in sort of a recovery position, if you will, trying to help him afterwards uh, to have him kind of come back after they thought he had passed out uh, on the train. So, I mean, that also, I think, helps him. He also, there are reports that he was saying, hey, call 911, get the police right away, get this, get this. So it also sounds like he was trying to get help and also get the guy arrested. Um, So there's a lot of layers to this. But I think it would serve him to go before the grand jury. And maybe the grand jury says, we don't see it, Alvin Bragg. But Alvin Bragg is clearly jumping the gun and going forward with this. Um, We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. Larry, great points. one 800 848 9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we won't forget about you, Daniel Penny. We know that tomorrow you are turning yourself in. This is the Marine who, by all accounts, looks like he was being a good Samaritan and defending others on a New York City subway. And this, to me, will have a devastating effect for people wanting to help others and to intervene. What about other people who see a crime or see someone about to be attacked? They're going to be afraid to step in. And that is a very dangerous mood to be in, especially right now as crime is skyrocketing in New York and so many cities across this country. one 800 Let's go to Stan in Forest Hill. Stan, uh, good to hear from you again, my friend. This guy doesn't deserve indictment. He deserves a parade. What, what is this craziness? I mean, he's a parade, not an indictment. Let's get something right. 30 times this guy was arrested, right, and let go. How the hell does the family of this guy, and I got news for you, I ain't worried. I'm, uh, as far as I'm concerned, he got exactly what he deserved, okay? Uh, uh, how the hell does the family stand there in all good faith and say, oh, he was a victim? Oh, I mean, I'm not. 
Where the hell were these people? Did anybody take this guy in? Did anybody in 30 rest with over, what, two years or so, make an attempt to help him? And so, and so what did they expect this Stan, I, I want to know what you're drinking tonight. Wow. No, no, hey, no, but, crime, but, hey, I, hey, look, crime is crime, whether you're a liberal or not. Nobody, no liberal wants to get shot. No liberal wants to get mugged. Absolutely. No, and Stan, right, and Stan, I, Stan, I do want to say I, I feel bad for Jordan Neely, and I feel bad Who for his situation. You mean the guy that got killed? Yes, I don't. I, I don't. I, Excuse me. I, I don't. I actually do. This is funny, because usually no, I'm no, the hardcore no, no, one no. of the group here, but, but go this ahead. This is happening more and more and more, uh, we've seen what happens. People, uh, I don't care about th- this guy. To be honest with you, I don't think he's a veteran, from what I understand. Uh, here's the point: thirty times. Now, in thirty times, did anybody in his family try to, you know, put him away and keep take him in, that's, try to help him? By the way, Stan, that's a great point because you're right. We it doesn't look like they clearly did enough. Uh, he did have some trouble, very bad troubles. His uh, stepfather killed his mother when he was young. There are clearly some serious issues that he went through, and he had a very unfortunate life. Uh, but And I feel bad. I don't think, obviously, you know, he deserved what happened in the end, but I don't think by any means the former Marine, uh, Daniel Penny, had any intent to kill him. Absolutely, um, absolutely Here's the point. On, when it comes to the trial, and let's talk trial here, if it gets that far. If it gets that far. The grand yeah, jury I, may I, throw I, it I don't out. know if the, grand, if the grand jury, if it's a majority, now I'm telling you, I'm going to talk color here. If it's a majority black uh, jury that he goes to trial, uh, it could go the other way. It could, could be, but I think this guy can't find the jury because 90% of the people ride the subways and know the story. This guy can't get a, a a guilty verdict in New York. I can't see it. If there is, it's it's. I mean, most people, me, I take the subway. You do. I, just on that alone, he's not guilty. And so you can indict to make it look good, but he has to walk. He doesn't deserve what he got. He tried. I don't think he meant to kill a guy. But I got no sympathy for the guy. Stan, wow, Stan, you are getting hardcore, but we always love hearing from you. Stan, no, no, no. you're great, and I'm glad you're feeling better, my friend. We always love hearing from you. Thanks so much, Stan. And when we come back, we're going to take some more calls on this. Stan, wow, wow, that's an epiphany, guys. Wow, wow, wow. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we honor our great military and their families, a beautiful story coming from Boston, Massachusetts, where the words compassionate, caring, visionary hero, well, they are all words that have been used to describe a woman in Boston who, through her leadership, has helped thousands of military veterans and their families that travel from all over the country to Boston for medical care. Her name is Jennifer DeLuca, and she is now being honored for her efforts by those who have been awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. And she is receiving the 2023 Citizens Honor Service Act Award. And it's for the past 13 years, she's been serving as executive director of Fisher House Boston. It's a home away from home for military families when a loved one is ill or injured. 
And she said, anyone that knows me knows I have to take care of people. She has been doing a lot more than just taking care of people. During her years at Fisher House Boston, she created countless service programs. And when she learned that a veteran and their family were living out of their car so they could be in Boston for medical care, she wouldn't stand for it. She said, when you hear of one, you know there are 10 or more. So she started reaching out to all the hotels within walking distance of the city's hospitals to find these families a room to stay. And since 2014, she has provided more than 16,000 nights of lodging to more than 2,700 military veterans and their families. That's amazing. Saving those families more than $5.6 million. That is extraordinary. And what an incredible hero. And bravo to this woman, Jennifer DeLuca, in Boston, Massachusetts, for receiving the 2023 Citizens Honors Service Act Award for her incredible service in helping military men and women and, of course, their families. This is an incredible feat. Well, we are talking about a former Marine who's about to face charges in a matter of hours. What are your thoughts that he is going to be charged in the subway chokehold death? one 800 848 Nine two two two. Let's go to Phil online too. Phil, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Good evening. Uh, hey, Phil. Hey, all, Phil, come to the microphone. You're off uh, off the speaker. Go ahead. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Nope. You're still off. You got you got to come uh, closer to your. I'm not on speakerphone on my headphones. Uh, well, it sounds really bad, Phil. You got to call us back. We'll take you when you call us back because we love you. Uh, let's go to Robert on line six while Phil's calling back. Go ahead, Robert. Hi, Rita. It's good to talk to you again. First, I am still in shock because I almost completely agree with what Stan Forrest Hill said. Second. Yeah, by the way, me too. Me too. I want to know what medication he's on because he's recovering. Whatever it is, it's strong stuff. (laughs) I'm not awarding the medal yet. I want to see what I want to get more information before I make that determination. But I'm kind of in your camp on this. Second, I hope Stan fares well with his medical condition. And finally, what really makes me mad, and if I came across as being disrespectful to your show last night, I really apologize. It wasn't my intention. But we've had 28 people killed on the subway in New York, and we have spent more time talking about this particular one than all of the others combined. And it's only because of one reason, because this so-called mainstream media looks at the race and Boom, off they go. And that is destructive to this society, okay? It really is. I mean, they do more damage to this country than almost than almost as much as Joe Biden's been doing to this country. They do such a disservice by not telling their listeners both sides of the story. And this is tearing society – well, no, it's not going to tear society apart because they're going to fail in the end. But the pain that is being caused by these mongrels in the meantime is disgusting to me. Okay. Well, and and, and Robert, by the way, by the way, um, Robert, and and I always appreciate everybody's call. You know, and we love your calls, Robert, too. Um, And and I think it it was interesting to hear Stan is like, you know, boy, this guy deserved it. Um, Not talking about the Marine, but the guy on the subway. Um, But but I do wish you're right. 
that more attention would be done to all these other cases. It gets me so angry when I see a lot of these people uh, that somehow come out uh, when it fits the right criteria for them, uh, as opposed to the facts overall. They they could do a tremendous service um, by being out there and protesting on these other cases that have happened on the subway. They could do a tremendous service. I brought up inner city Chicago, where there is so much crime. And if they did it almost every time that there was a shooting, or they'd be out there every five seconds, sadly, because it's so pervasive. But if they were out there protesting on some of these others, I think they could actually do tremendous good and change society and be a wake-up call as opposed to selectively protesting on these certain ones that look so political. Uh, so I hear you. I 1,000% agree with you on that. Robert, thank you very much. Let's go to Mike on line seven. Mike, your thoughts about what should happen to the Marine tomorrow. Yes, Rita. I think they should bring him in and give him a Medal of Honor. He took out a terrorist. That man was on a public transportation, which is the train, threatening people yelling and screaming he wants to die. You don't know if he's got a bomb, a gun, or a knife. The man took action, the, the, the Marine took action and took him down. That's all he did was took him down. Unfortunately, he passed, whatever. But you got to remember one thing. Not too long ago, you had the train over in Brooklyn. The R train or N train, whatever, the guy with the construction hat and, and uh, vest yep. gets on, uh, smoke bombs and starts shooting everybody. And and you know what? I thought about that, too, uh, Mike, uh, the guy who opened up and he dressed up as an MTA worker. Uh, nobody was killed in that case, amazingly, because he shot, I think it was 10 people. And then he got away on the subway and they luckily got him, I think it was 24 hours or whatever later. Um, but you're absolutely right. These things happen all the time. And you don't know when somebody is about to do uh, something really, really uh, quickly. And you don't have time to act. And he was threatening. It wasn't. It's different, again, if it's somebody who was a troubled individual. And, and he clearly was a troubled individual. He should have gotten help. The system failed him. Um, and there were so many problems. But it doesn't mean other people should suffer as a result. A- and that's exactly where I'm going with this. Let's go to Norm. Uh, line three. Norm, your thoughts. Yeah, hi, Rita. Yeah, today I was listening to Katz and Cosby, and uh, Mr. Katzmatidis said he wanted to have a parade or a uh, uh, some sort of a, a march or something uh, in support of this Marine, and I thought that was a great idea, and uh, if he does that, I'm down. I'm there. All right, I'll pass the word on. Norm, I'll pass that on uh, for sure. And everybody, by the way, uh, you know, crime – And clearly problems at the border as we're waiting for Title 42 to be lifted, which is going to happen, by the way, in about 20 minutes or so. This is an unbelievable moment in American history. Well, in the middle of all this, Donald Trump, of course, was focusing on all of this during the town hall that he did with CNN. It got huge ratings, some of the biggest ratings that CNN has ever had, Uh, enormous ratings for that time slot. It was close to 90 minutes, and he was taking incoming verbal fire from the moderator, Caitlin, of course, Collins, who was really debating him versus a town hall. Everything was like interrupting. Um, And I thought it actually served President Trump well. I said this. I think it was a smart move for him to go on CNN and to talk about uh, issues and go into the lion's den, if you will. And I thought he did a great job. Um, and there are a lot of people today who are blasting CNN saying it was totally, totally out of line. They think that the president 
of the United States, the former one and the leading Republican candidate right now, doesn't deserve any airtime. How dare they? Take a listen to some people in the liberal media today. I always thought those were meant for us to get to know a candidate and what they stand for. So what is the point of this new town hall that he's doing? That's what I'm so disgusted by, because, uh, again, when someone shows you who they are, you believe them. This is not journalism. This is entertainment. In journalism, you actually will control um, with the the questions and the answers, um, and, and, and you will have some sort of a filter for misinformation. It feels to me. Like this is a pretty open attempt by CNN to push itself to the right and make itself attractive and show its belly to MAGA and to conservatives hoping that they will tune in. No surprises. And yet it was just it was a disgraceful uh, performance. It was disgraceful on every level. Disgraceful because you gave the former president of the United States airtime. Again, I may not hear from I agree with a lot of people who call into the show. But I tell you what I think, and I like having everybody speak. It's America. How dare these individuals say that the president of the United States, that they don't think he deserves airtime. And also, how dare they also mock? They were mocking the audience because there were members. Everybody in the audience was basically applauding Trump because he did do a good job. It showed that he was mentally on the ball, sharp as ever, able to like switch between topics fluently, rapid fire. He was grilled by the moderator. And he stood strong and the audience loved it. They were standing up at the beginning, giving him a standing ovation, and they gave him a standing ovation at the end. And they didn't like that either. How dare these people in the media think that they know better than Trump and they know better than the audience members that were selected by CNN? Are you kidding me? Here's a little bit from Kaylee McEnany uh, talking about just how outrageous these liberal members of the media are that they think Trump doesn't deserve any airtime. It's like how they handled the Hunter Biden story before the 2024 election. Shame on them. Here's Kaylee McInerney, the former Trump White House press secretary. I don't think that Democrats are necessarily upset that Trump was given a platform on CNN. I think that they're upset that during that platform, people cheered for Trump and liked what he had to say. And that's the real threat here, because the entire point of censorship, the motivation behind it is the idea that people are too stupid to think for themselves, to make their own conclusions about what Trump has to say and to weigh in on that. And I'm from Michigan. I'm from the Midwest. And you're right. It is a very elitist attitude to talk down to Midwestern voters who voted for Trump in 2016, who voted for him again in 2020, who might vote again for him in 2024 and tell them, no, actually, you you don't get to hear the former president. Exactly. You don't get to decide for yourself what you think about him. That is the Democrats' attitude. And that was actually Kaylee McGee. Uh, she is with the Washington Examiner, Kaylee McGee White. Uh, she was on the same show there with Kaylee McEnany, but saying, how dare these mainstream sort of liberal media folks saying, we'll tell you who you should listen to and basically who you should vote to. I mean, are you kidding me? Put everybody out there and let us all decide who we want to vote for and who we don't. Uh, We're all adults. We can figure it out. Don't tell us who to vote for and don't, like, suppress information like you did during the Hunter Biden. And meantime, before I go, I want to talk about also what's going on in the border. This is stunning. In a matter of minutes, Title 42 is about to be lifted. This, to me, I think we are entering one of the most dangerous periods in American history. And I say that because what has happened 
at the border in just the last few days, more than 10,000 migrants apprehended. That doesn't include the gotaways that they have no clue about, but just a historic high of 10,000 a day entering the country that are stopped. And it is now about to be a tsunami at the border. And I am so deeply, deeply concerned. I've been to the border many times. I have covered it. I've seen it firsthand. And the images that I have seen are the like I've never seen before. Right now, when you see these images of these tent cities that are set up in Tijuana, where I have been, and also in other places of Mexico, you see in Matamoros, you also see in other countries, there are tens of thousands of migrants camped out or sleeping under a bridge or on the street, ready to cross our border at any moment. And if you thought things were dangerous and perilous for America before this because it was an open border, contrary to what Mallorca says, things are going to get catastrophically dangerous in our country. In every city, many of them have already been touched by illegal immigration and the burden that it has caused on shelters, on taxpayers, on, you know, on so many food, different levels, transportation. It is about to skyrocket. And there will be no way that as hard as our border agents are working and trying to keep us safe and trying to do the best they can with a really bad form of leadership at the helm that's basically telling them all to come on in with a big neon sign. There is no way that border agents, even with the best of intentions and the hardest work and skills that they have, that they can handle what is going to be an onslaught of illegal immigrants coming to our country. There's no way they're going to be able to vet them. There are so many reports that there's going to be mass releases as if that's not what's been happening for the last few years. But can you imagine they are basically saying there will be mass releases because shelters are overrun and they are well beyond capacity. So I am downright concerned of what's going to happen to so many cities across our country that are already flooded, that are overwhelmed And they can't handle it right now. And it is about to get just beyond the breaking point. And I think we're heading to a really dangerous period where we will not have track of these people. We're saying, okay, yeah, come on back. Maybe there's going to be a hearing, uh, you know, in a couple years. No one's barely going to show up. One percent, two percent. This is going to be catastrophic for our country, and we will feel the uh, repercussions, uh, believe me, I think, for generations to come. We are on the verge of, I think, one of the most destructive periods in American history, and I am praying for this country tonight. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And I just want to play, because this is outrageous, Alejandro Mayorkas trying to sound like he's big and bad and the border is closed. This man is lying. Take a listen. I want to be very clear. Our borders are not open. People who cross our border unlawfully and without a legal basis to remain will be promptly processed and removed. An individual who is removed under Title VIII is subject to at least a five-year ban on reentry into the United States and can face criminal prosecution if they attempt to cross again. Yeah, right. As if anybody believes him. When we come back, we're going to talk about what you think is about to happen to America for generations to come because of the Biden administration's lax policies. 
that are downright dangerous to this country. And I cannot believe a president of the United States has caused this situation and is allowing it to continue. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. Well, in a matter of minutes, that health provision known as Title 42 is about to be lifted and the floodgates will open at our southern border. What are your thoughts and who do you blame? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Andrew. Line one. Andrew, your thoughts. How's it going? As you know, my wife's an immigrant and your parents were immigrants, so I fully support it. And it's not all bad. Of course, I don't want it to be this way where child sex slavery girls are getting raped and but uh, it's not all bad the spanish immigrants i love them they have uh dios cone cortisone they're good-hearted like you they they will love america most of them because they see the opportunities and, and, and you know you know andrew abortion. i agree with you that that i, I agree that 99.999 you're right are great people. And I don't blame them because America is the greatest country in the world. I'd want to come here too. Um, you know, and, and you just brought a, your background and my family's background. Absolutely. I, I understand that. I just think they have to be vetted. And what scares me is the 0.0001%, uh, which right now, given the numbers, is in the thousands upon thousands uh, that could wish to do us harm. Because it's not just uh, those who are coming for, you know, for the technical reasons of asylum, it's because of economics. And they're coming from like 120 countries, um, you know, uh, Russia, you know, other countries, China, uh, uh, Iran. You got to wonder what's in store. And that's what really scares me. Andrew, thank you. You're terrific. Thanks so much. Let's go to David, line seven in Pennsylvania. Your thoughts, David. Hi, Rita. Thanks for taking my call. You know, Rita, I thought that uh, we have four states in this country, the judicial branch, the executive branch, the legislative branch, and, of course, the fourth estate, which is the media. And they're supposed to keep checks and balances. Where are the Republicans who own, who are leaders, holding the leadership in the, in the Congress? Where, why isn't Biden being impeached and expose the horrendous uh, – victims and the families of victims that are due to their failed policies you You know what that's a great point by the way by the way david i actually and i don't throw the word impeachment around quickly uh but i agree with you that this could be grounds and certainly for mayorkas i mean i mean it is it is such a dereliction of duty um and it is just abominable what they have done to this country uh, with the lack of vetting, it, it is not protecting the homeland, and it is one of the most serious things I think I've ever seen a president do under his tenure. And, and I think at some point they will. Um, and I wonder, like you said, what they're waiting for. Remember, they just took over the House uh, just recently. They don't have the Senate, so they don't even have the votes. If they wanted to, they could impeach but not remove, but they don't have the votes. And that could be part of what's happening, maybe to see what happens or wait till it gets uh, maybe they're thinking it's it's a Republican president could come in next potentially and would certainly change everything that Biden has done. Uh, David, thank you very much. Uh, let's go to Sonny. Line two. Sonny, your thoughts about all this? Yeah. How you doing, Rita? Uh, I, I, tell you, I used to be a, I was a former immigration officer and I really don't agree. I, I think like Trump said, he says 
a lot of these immigrants that's coming here, illegal aliens, they're we're not getting the good ones. You know, I mean, a lot of them are. I, I know we I know that. But I don't think it's ninety nine point nine. If it was, they would wait online like my parents did, like most of my friends did. And they waited online. And sometimes you got to wait three, four, five years. They don't want to wait online. These people, they want to come here for other alternative motives. And, and we see the disaster here. Now, with these migrants, I live in Rockland County. And you know what, what Eric Adams is doing is disgraceful. He's calling Ed Day a racist, an anti-Semitic. He should look in the mirror himself because he's a racist calling us crackers. Well, now, well, well and, and Sonny, you know, it's interesting that the, the fact that you're right, Eric Adams and others are trying to like kind of bust them out of New York City. Meanwhile, they had a big old neon sign saying it's a sanctuary city. And now people are going, well, uh, you said you were a sanctuary city. Everybody pray for America. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.